So, Sarah, I missed you. I know. I missed you. Two weeks is a long time. It is a really long time. I know you've been super busy, you know, building your YouTube or no, your TikTok celebrity. Sorry. A wrong social media platform. <laughs> That's okay. It's it's basically similar, just shorter videos. For shorter attention spans. But you've been crushing it. And I know that's not the reason why we didn't record last week. But I feel like, you know, there's a good chance that that's, that's what you were doing in the meantime. I mean, Sarah, lots of people are scared of losing me right now because they're like afraid I'm going to be off on my TikTok celebrity and never come back. <laughs> No, that's not even close to true. Um, <laughs> but I did have another video go viral over the weekend. But what's really funny is that like, so my friend Karen, who I haven't seen in three months because of COVID, she came to visit. And on Saturday, we spent, I don't know, I'd say a solid hour and a half working on a TikTok, which is awesome. If anyone hasn't seen it, go and see it. When we're, when we basically... It's, a, it's like we're superheroes in our wetsuits and we come bursting out of the water. Did you see it? I did see it. I appreciated it. It was a solid. And then we found the song that hit the right beats too. So like just as we burst out of the water, like the music plays at the right moment. I mean, I felt like it was very special and we only got like 1500 views. Um, and then this other TikTok that we recorded randomly um, when she first arrived off the float plane um, where... It's basically like it's a TikTok trend. So this is what I love about TikTok. It's like if there's a little trend going around and you can like add on to the trend or joke on the trend or whatever, I guess like my brain must work like that because I'm like, oh, that was funny. I can make it funnier or I could make one, whatever. So I had this idea of like, well, you just like basically the trend was like you randomly go up to a friend. You don't know how they're going to respond and you kind of like sexy dance in front of them and then you see what they do right um and so karen like true to form like dropped her backpack and started like and just threw her hands in the air and started dancing um which was pretty funny but then this video like we're at like i i can't even open my tiktok app like i literally can't open it and see the because there's so many notifications that it won't load so it's like the last time i checked we were at like 300,000 views on that video man you so. cracked it you cracked the code that's all I, I finally know. cracked the code. Yeah. And now the pressure to follow up is mounting. Um, but yes, there was a reason that we didn't record um, last week. And we're going to talk about that um, after our first break. So coming up on the show, um, Iron Man's... Well, we're going to talk about Iron Man's statement or lack of statement or whatever it was in support of Black and African-American athletes um, that happened last I don't know what day it was but um last week the shit totally hit the fan the women for try page so we're going to talk about that and unpack it um what else we have a couple great voicemails one from Jordan Blanco and another listener and I think that's it it's going to be a good show hey Sarah what's yes. what's that in your hand oh I'm um drinking a nice uh cab salve in this evening's recording oh, how about man. you what are you drinking i have some noon rest because it's nine o'clock at night i'm ready to go to bed after this well at least one of us is going to be well rested and hydrated after this recording we are so grateful to noon hydration for their sponsorship of this podcast and if you want to get 30 percent off you can go to noonlife.com and use the code iron women 
plural women as our sister podcast. You can use that as a code and you will get 30% off your next order at noonlife.com. I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. Okay, so let's talk about the real reason we didn't. That has nothing to do with TikTok. Right. (laughs) Believe it or not. It has to do with a moment of reckoning in our country and our sport in the world in general. Nothing to do. Yes. Not TikTok related. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So last week, I don't even know how to start. I mean, anyone who's listening to the podcast um, knows uh, what sort of the world has been going through um, after... It, it's. I think it's sort of. First, we had Ahmad Arbery's um, murder while running. Um, then we had, you know, there was just a, this tension was mounting. The Amy Cooper um, video. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a number, and then suddenly, I think it's we started to become aware that there was a greater social movement and bigger social activism happening. Um, that has oh, been compounded by COVID nineteen and. Uh, the recession disproportionately affecting uh, communities of color. So it's just all these things kind of coalescing into a moment of reckoning in our country. Yes, yes, which is, you know, long overdue, um, really. And and so by, you know, over the weekend, um, Liv Feisty decided to um, say something publicly on social media, and um, we put out uh, an Instagram post, and then we also wrote about it in our newsletter, about kind of owning our privilege a little bit and what that means and what that might look like. Um, And then that was kind of Saturday. And then by Tuesday, uh, there were a lot of people showing support on, especially on Instagram, um, just with a simple post of a black square. Um, And I thought I, as someone who hangs out on Instagram quite a bit, I thought it was pretty powerful. Um, What, what did you what was your experience of, of last week? Yeah, so I actually posted something similar on Monday. Um, I didn't know about the whole Blackout Tuesday. Um, and, you know, just my own way to process, you know, sharing a couple of resources and trying to learn about more resources that I could learn from. Because this is just, you know, there's a, there's an education component for uh, many of us. Um, I don't... I obviously, like, because this is such a a critical moment for the U.S., I felt like showing support was the bare minimum. Um, you know, I, I was proud of companies who acknowledged that, you know, they, they need to do better and here's their action plan. I was proud of individuals for, you know, realizing that they need to educate themselves and listen to uh more voices but then there was something really i found really jarring was that within you know hours within by the next day people were back to posting normal triathlon stuff normal life stuff and it 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 was hard for me to wrap my head around um just given 
what a big moment this is. But then there's part of me that also realizes we need to decompress and not only think about, you know, these really deep systemic issues. Uh, mm-hmm. So there is a place for sport. I don't know. It, the whole the whole week's been a bit uh, complicated. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people have really been struggling a little bit with, with what to say um, and figuring out how to be supportive um, and not really, and, and maybe recognizing some culpability either as companies or as individuals in just, just kind of being almost complicit or silent in the past. Um, I think we all kind of, well, not we all, some of us white people <laughs> kind of have, have felt like this, like how can we be better? Um, and it's been so difficult to know how to engage. Um, did you go to a rally? No, we we had a very tiny rally that was actually before uh, the nationwide protests. It was more just right after uh, Floyd's death. Um, I mean, I live in a very small town, but yeah, we do. We there are larger towns that have had them around us. Um, we, we haven't gone, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's hard to know what to do. I've I've just you know, we've just had a lot of discussions about how we're going to be moving forward, you know, our, our levels of activism and where we want to focus our efforts. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's all it's 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 not easy, but it's just I I hope that it's not just hashtag activism. I think that's what I'm struggling with is. I know what I'm doing in my household. I know what, you know, my family members are doing. And I hope these are the sorts of things that is occurring across the country. I hope it's not just optics. Um, Because this is really deep systemic problems. Like, it requires more than just posting and, you know, reading a book or two. It's going to be, obviously, years of engagement um, Mm -hmm. politically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also not a new problem. No, no, no. Issue. no. Um, so that, that was one of the things that we dove into a little bit at, at Live Feisty because we, um, through our agency or through our own brands, we have, we had to decide what to post probably across 10 brands and, you know, 25 different platforms. Um, and the way that we decided was kind of based on how much that brand talked about race in the past. And I mean, like in a way that we're all, we're all a brand. Right. So if you if you didn't if you've never talked about race or never posted, we maybe showed um, made a post of support, uh, but didn't, you know, try to wade in real deep first off because it's like, okay, are we the first question is to look. It's like the Michael Jackson man in the mirror thing, like like look inside first and what changes are we making and just take a moment. Um, And so I think that was pretty wise for a lot of people and a lot of brands um and then some of our other brands do talk about race a bit more like on live feisty we do or on outspoken so we made some um we made choices about how to what to say and how to support and where our voice fit with this is a conversation i've had with a lot of like to start where you are and figure out how your voice maybe maybe like i'm saying voice but i mean more I mean voice and action and all of the things related to what one might, how one might proceed in this situation. Um, that maybe it's time to actually just listen. Um, like if you've never read a single book on race, 
that would probably be a good place to start for examples. So um, I, and I think there's like we all, every response is, every response of trying to be better is, a, is an appropriate response, <laughs> you know? Totally, totally. I just, yeah, I, I want to see real substantive change as we all do and making sure that we're, if we're not helping the discussion in the moment, then we're not detracting from it. Um, yeah. And I think that's yeah, I where, where I had a really hard time was, um, you know, I think, I think like some of, some of the brands under your umbrella, um, I felt like it was probably more appropriate for me to just be a bit quiet and let other voices talk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that. And one of the things I was asking myself is where is, where are my points of leverage? Like, is there anywhere that I could make a difference right now where action would be appropriate? And one of the answers to that for me was, um, how kind of heartbroken is the word that I use, but like how it was pretty hard for me to see that Iron Man didn't respond at all or make a statement or, and in fact, were business as usual. Um, especially once it came to Tuesday, like once by Tuesday, there was critical mass, right? Like it was like on Saturday, like we, we posted something on Saturday. I was, po I posted on Saturday, but like by Tuesday, it was like, you can't, you couldn't go on social media without realizing like this was maybe something to, maybe you should like at least say, Hey, like, Hey, black African-American friends, like I stand with you. Like that, that was an appropriate response on social media I'd, I, of some kind oh see i guess the the optimist in me was hoping that they would take ownership of the fact that we have a serious problem in our sport with inclusivity and mm -hmm. want to do better you know right i think i think we don't have to say anything about uh the really deep systemic problems that is going to be require tons of reform at the policy level, but we can talk about, like you're saying, what, what is, what is your little universe, and how can you affect change? And it's like Iron Man, you have a problem, acknowledge yeah. it, and come up with a plan to of how to make substantive change in this thing that we all love and we want to see be more inclusive and more diverse. Yeah, exactly. So one of the first things I did was email Andrew Messick. Did I say that already? I think I said that to you before yes, the show, you right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to be repeating myself. So I emailed Andrew Messick. I always feel like it's the right thing to do is like, if you know the people who have the power, like instead of just going to social media with like a trumpet and like, like you try to hit him over the head, Andrew over the head with like a, <laughs> then a social media message. Like the right thing to do is to say, Hey, Andrew, here's some advice make a statement. <laughs> um, so, and I'm sure like, honestly, I like, obviously I know he's probably heard from dozens of people on that. Um, and then by, and, and I think I'm going to let Jordan unpack this, um, one of our voicemailers here, but, um, when I think it was by Friday, really the shit started to hit the fan in the women for try group. Uh, the conversation around this got a bit, um, out of hand, but, uh, should we hear from Jordan on that? Well, do we want to follow up on Iron Man's response was there a response or just... yeah well, let's talk let's let's let like i think just we'll take a break of... and listen to jordan's question and come back okay. yeah 
Sounds good. Yeah, because what happened on the Women for Try page happened before Iron Man responded. Oh, okay. All right, let's listen to it, Jordan. Okay. Hi, Sarah and Sarah. Something that caught my attention last week was the high level of discord within the Women for Try Facebook group. That group's almost 60,000 strong. And the issue that arose this past week was a decision by group moderators to delete over 100 posts related to Black Lives Matter, the killing of George Floyd, and references to the racial tension uh, currently prevailing in the U.S. I guess the, ghost, the posts were deemed political and deleted by the moderators of the Facebook group. A lot of women were upset as they viewed the group as a safe place to share concerns and grievances and to see their comments deleted and even white women proclaiming the FB uh, group as an inappropriate place to be discussing political non-triathlon related issues. It made me think back to um, the start of the Women for Try group and thought it would be useful to share the history behind that group. Um, I think it was probably 2015 that Ironman started the initiative Women for Try, and it actually came about in response to calls from many people following the 50 Women to Kona movement. <clears throat> and that's the movement that was looking to equalize the number of professional women racing in Kona. Unlike most other world championship events, Ironman did not, and actually still does not, offer equal opportunity for professional women in Kona. They base the number of slots on gender proportions in the field. Instead, women are required um, to earn their slots by increasing the participation of all women across Ironman events. Imagine Wimbledon or the US Open starting each tournament with 128 men and just 64 women because, well, fewer women play tennis overall. So the Women for Try initiative focused on bringing more women to the sport, which is essentially more ticket sales for Ironman. I believe Sarah Gross and myself both applied to be founding board members, but alas, we didn't make that final cut. However, one of our 50 Women for Kona allies, Hilary Biscay, became a board member, as did some other amazing women. So I was excited about the program and the commitment from Ironman to encourage more women in the sport. However, if I recall correctly, at the very first board meeting, the CEO of Ironman, Andrew Messick, intervened to veto the board's attempt to vote on a proposal regarding that equalization of slots for pro men and, and women in Kona, noting that it was outside the purview of the board. Yep, uh, you heard it right. Ironman set up the board to encourage more women to enter the sport and essentially sell more tickets to women to their show. But they were still hell-bent on denying equal access to opportunity for professional women who are trying to make a career from the sport, the women trying to be the best in the world, and potentially um, heroes, uh, sheroes for uh, women coming into the sport. Anyway, I'm this getting long, so I'm sorry. I'm recounting the stories. It was clear to me from the outset that this Facebook group wasn't entirely a safe place for women getting into triathlon. Well, there are amazing women involved in the community, and they've done some awesome work. At the end of the day, let's let's say, call it what it is—a marketing vehicle for Ironman. And they're not willing to relinquish control of that. Uh, and even the requests in the group for I might make a statement or offer a reasonable apology um, might have been expected to fall on deaf ears. In fact, it took a while for I to come out with an apology. And the first apology from the administrators of the group was kind of comment to the effect that it was accidental. They have scrambled to develop a better apology. And I did come out with a commitment to um, creating more diversity in the sport. But it was all a little bit too little, too late. Anyway, again, I'm sorry this story's on the long side, but I want to really relate it back to the racial tension that we've been experiencing this past week. It's left a lot of people feeling quite emotional. Um, as, as we've all, uh, many whites, myself included, have had these aha moments that we can and must do better to understand the situation and um, each of us affect change. 
Sarah Gross, Rachel Joyce, Alyssa Gadeski, myself, and many others have spent years trying to convince Ironman that creating opportunities for women at the top of the sport will create a trickle-down effect for participation among a broader range of women. In contrast, Ironman has always argued that women need to earn those starting spots on the pier by boosting overall number of women in the sport. Personally, I've seen this approach as by Ironman as short-sighted since women have faced decades upon decades of barriers put in place to hinder and stall their participation in sport. Now women are desperately trying to play catch-up and not being offered much assistance. Okay, now to make the connection back to the racial tension, but I'm a British white woman, so I recognize I still have a lot to learn. I didn't even study US political history um, in, uh, in high school or college, so I really need to understand that broader uh, historical context. But maybe the women in sport and women in triathlon analogies are a useful one for thinking about the racial issues here in the U.S., albeit on a much greater, grander scale. Racial barriers have been in place for centuries, and they're insurmountable, insurmountable without a lot more affirmative action. We cannot wait for biracial, indigenous, and people of color to fight and earn their way to an equal footing. We need to extend the hand and ask what they need now and how we can help. Organic change as as I see it in triathlon is not an option. I don't think I should have ever seen it as an option um, when it comes to um, racial inequities either. So it should not be the path and we all need to work on this together. Anyway, thanks guys. So that's, I didn't know any of this stuff about women for try. Honestly, um, I've had very little, I mean, I'm still pretty new to the Ironman world. So thank you, Jordan. That was really insightful. I'm sure some of the listeners um, appreciated that. Yeah, totally. I, I was aware of that history, uh, and having been like so involved in 50 women to Kona. Um, and I, I'm actually glad that Jordan did all that unpacking and, and did such a great job of doing the, putting that history together for us. So it's difficult. What's difficult for me, or not for me, but in general is that women for try has this complicated history Right. And was totally dependent on a volunteer board to make decisions that weren't given that many resources and that much power to actually make decisions. Unfortunately, for the like 12 amazing smart women they originally had on their board. Um, And then on top of it, you have like the 58,000, I think, women who are in the group who actually have nothing like have don't know that history, have very little to do with it and are actually just. Um, giving and receiving support in trying to become triathletes and be better triathletes and all the things that are great about a Facebook group and a community. So there's a lot, there, a lot of good came out of it, came out of the creation of that group, despite this kind of like crazy way it was, um, it was, it came to be. Um, but it's not that surprising to me that because this is very common, right? In in times like this, if you, if an organization or um, a federation creates a, if they get if they're called to action around, I don't know, some kind of equal rights movement. In this case, it was women for women for try, and they get a volunteer board, right? And they have a committee, you know, and they don't give them any um, any power to make any real decisions in the company or in the organization. Then this is ultimately what ends up happening so I think there was like there were a couple rounds of apologies what 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 happened in the women for try page was they were taking down all they were taking down posts about black lives matter um which I think Jordan did say and so what happens is is that because you have volunteers running a thing like people aren't fully on like 
on the page of like what's supposed to be happening and they're dissociated from the main organization. Um, and really that like the mission statement and the goals isn't clear, you know? And so it's just like somebody, I feel like there was an administrator in there who decided that black lives matter was a, was too political for the women for tri page started arbitrarily taking down posts because they felt like they were doing the right thing for whatever reason. Um, and then, and then like the shit started to hit the fan, but that actually exposes in my mind that exposes the fact that Iron Man has like failed to put proper resources into the recruitment of more women into, into triathlon in general. And their failure is like breeding out. What would you call it? Like is coming through in this, like in this particular way that like they haven't done a proper job. They don't have um, someone who's an expert in, diversity equity inclusion in there trying to help people align with messaging and figure out how to decide what what post is political and what post is not political and so like all of that just is like and it explodes on them right i i'm not surprised at all no that's that's you're right it's it's not so who's who's moderating Oh man. Okay. Part of the explosion in the women for tri page was that like the moderators one by one started to dissociate themselves. So they were like, and, and boom, 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 like jumping ship. Right. Um, I, I stopped paying attention because frankly, I definitely see this as like a systemic problem within the organization that is Iron Man. So I think they don't have any diversity. They don't have very much diversity within their own leadership team, within their board. Um, they're still mostly white, run by men. Like all of these things are still the case. They're kind of a old, an old school company, as it were. And so like this is the kind of thing that happens. So I feel like this is a symptom. Like women, what's happening in women with triage is just a symptom of the fact that there's like this systemic problem that's like culture wide, but also like very, very prevalent in Iron Man. So it sounds like you're giving the benefit of the doubt to the, the moderators who were deleting posts and saying that they were ill-equipped, um, both in terms of, you know, their, their backgrounds and the directives they were getting from Iron Man to be able to handle the situation partially um i also think like on a personal i don't want to get like no one's off the hook who's deleting black lives matter posts as a matter of um, uh, unless they were given the direction from iron man to do so that's possible we don't that's know possible if you're yeah, if you're were, one of those moderators let us know the inside scoop you could stay anonymous <laughs> yeah i do know there were a number of moderators who were like boom like i am out i'm dissociating from this this is nothing to do with me this is not how i feel yeah. like people were very very quick to jump ship on that situation <laughs> um i'm not so people were reaching out to me like who do you think that was i'm like it really doesn't matter who it was because like there's like systemic change that needs to happen here right um and iron man is definitely make the systemic change has to happen everywhere but iron man's making it worse right like in the way that they like we okay now I'm just like ranting but like no, last do. year okay last year <laughs> last year I don't know probably 14 months ago or so um I actually in with uh Lisa Ingerfield who's actually a diversity equity inclusion consultant and that's what she does for her job like she goes into like law enforcement units and like she's like trained at so this, you're right? saying she could go into Iron Man and tell them what's up <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yes, she's she is trained to do that. Andrew, if you still listen to the podcast, 
Yeah. We, and we have a, a person for you. <laughs> yeah. Has a PhD, you know, in, in exact precisely this. Um, so we created a proposal in which we wanted to go in and do consulting for Iron Man. Um, and frankly, I don't really know. We only got like a couple lines back from Andrew. So I don't really know why he said, um, he said no to that. But I think that that is what is needed. I don't care if it's me or Lisa or someone else, but like, or who it is, but like there's, you need to go and you need to talk to all of the leadership team. You need to find out what their attitudes are about things like, um, things like gender, race, sexual orientation. How is that like sending messaging down through the company? Like what the hell's is going on there? <laughs> um, and so finally, okay, so Sarah, let's rant over. Um, finally, they released a statement. Um, Iron Man released a statement. As far as I can tell, only on Facebook um, or only on social media. I don't remember receiving an email about it from Iron Man. Um, and yeah, what did you Wait, think so of their statement? Do we know this is Iron Man or is this Andrew? Just point of curve. It's signed off as, it's signed off as right here. Andrew Messick, president and CEO, the okay. Iron Man Group. That is who First signed of all, the message. I haven't been on Facebook ever since my mom joined and ruined it. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you and like the whole of Gen X. So or, I did or, not see Gen this. Y feels like that. I did not see any acknowledgement mm-hmm. on Instagram. I didn't see like any press releases. I did not, this did not reach me. So that's number one, a problem. Like, true. <laughs> true. If it's unclear that this is Iron Man's position and not Andrew's position as CEO. But first of all, okay, there's so much wrong with this. There's so much wrong. I think it maybe intentions were good, but when you come off the bat being defensive of the, the, the actions you've taken... Yeah. Mm. you know is that the right thing is that okay, the right can, thing to do especially can I summarize this oh yeah yeah statement. sorry I'm getting all caught up <laughs> especially given what we know about women for try and so let's just question are these substantive actions or is it for optics yeah I don't I don't know. Like, I I think, okay, so the statement, to be clear, is not, fo- it doesn't mention, it does mention women should try, but only <laughs> only in a certain way. It's not like, hey, we're responding to the problem in the women for try page. Here we go. Like, that's not, they're making a, Andrew is making a statement as the CEO. Um, so he's acknowledging that there's like a moment in America um, and that, you know, and then proceeds with three paragraphs on, um, how amazing Iron Man has been for challenged athletes and um, for women. So he like, he basically like, and that's what I think you mean by defensive, right? Is it's like when the first thing you say is, but look what we did for women and challenged athletes. Like we're okay, right? So, so what would, in your mind, what would be a more appropriate first response? Acknowledging that they're part of the problem. Acknowledging that they've not done enough. Not coming out and saying, hey, and the worst part about the the bullet point about the challenge athletes is that they name individuals by name, which mm-hmm. makes you wonder whether the commitment is genuine or they are focusing on a few people because of, let's be honest, camera time on NBC. 
So, and I would like to say, I know Iron Man Foundation does do good work uh, outreaching to the community. And, Mm -hmm. but we're talking about Iron Man events right now. At least I am. I don't know. I'm going to separate the two. Yeah. I think acknowledging that triathlon is a sport and that Iron Man has a problem. It's obvious. We all know it. Would have been an. It would have been an excellent, excellent first, first move. move. <laughs> um, Sarah, you're wearing a specialized hoodie, right? Did you see specialized response? They did. They did an excellent job for a company in cycling that is, you know, about owning the fact that they that they are part of the problem and have been and intend to do better. Um, I I really appreciated but their response. It's the humility involved um, realizing that. Just we all have not done enough. And I, I think that was the tone that I would have wanted from Iron Man. Absolutely. Humility, that's a great word. Um, and then uh, there's an acknowledgement that, um, that, wait, I'll just read it to you. The past few days have unfolded to the steady drumbeat of you have to say something. So it's kind of like we've been badgered on all sides and now we're making a statement. Um, and then... I think like I think this is a good and this is to your point about the social media like this isn't just about social media posts and or and what are folks going to do now you know what are the next steps so um, Andrew goes on to talk about action um, and creating uh, creating basically what does it say like through the Ironman Foundation creating an initiative called Race for Change. Um, and having an advisory committee for Race for Change. Um, they pledged some money to the initiative, uh, and they, he says they're concurrently starting a diversity and inclusiveness committee. Um, so again, I I have a couple levels Wait, of so reservation here. Two committees? One, two committees? Okay. It would appear so. So mm-hmm. those committees, w- an again, advisory would be group volunteer basis? Unclear unclear like I would I want to know like I want them to be like we're spending a hundred thousand dollars on a complete diversity a complete DEI like check on all levels of our entire company like that's what I want it's like a committee if you're going to create a committee that has again like women for try you know that only has resources when Iron Man decides it has resources so like women for try does great things through the Iron Man Foundation you know, and like I have a, I have a relationship with um, Sarah Hartman. Thank you. Sorry, brain farting on her name. Um, and I know that she like she's very passionate, and she she's a, and she does great things at the Iron Man Foundation, and and that whole group do, do great things. But I also know that, you know, when the women for try as a group um, don't necessarily have a lot of power to say, oh hey, like because when they said, oh hey, we as women would like to talk about the issue of there being unequal slots for the female pros it's like no that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about what Iron Man wants to talk about and what Iron Man wants to give money to so I think there's that like there's that little bit of like I don't know what I'm calling it bullying but that's probably a little bit harsh but a little bit of manipulative strategy around like so I don't want this diversity and inclusion inclusion committee to be like bullied into doing whatever Iron Man says they're gonna do that worries me so my understanding is a lot of the time you know, the, the management of these federations or corporations, they make decisions 
And they kind of sort of listen to the feedback of these committees. But the decisions have already been made. So I, I have limited experience in this, but I was in the um, athletes committee for ITU for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. we had some serious sit-down battles with them about what they were doing. And it was abundantly clear to us that they were making these decisions already. They just expected us to kind of sign on. Um, and they would, they would yeah. listen to us, but they're like, Hey, we've already decided we're going to do X, Y, or Z. Then what's the point of having our, a voice? So yeah, I'm a little, yeah. And so, yeah. So, yeah. Sarah, I can tell you that is exactly what happens on the women for try committee. And that, that, and I know that I have a biased view of it partially because when shit hits the fan, they're like, I am one of the people that, that someone will come to like to lend an ear. Um, and so I know that I hear, like I hear a lot about like the shit that happens in that group and not a ton about the good things that happen. So like I acknowledge there are good things that happen, but I also know like things like that happen where it's like we're, we've decided to run this initiative and we're putting the women for try name on it and they've already decided, you know, and that's shitty. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I am skeptical. I feel, I feel um, like you have more dirt on women for try than you are. <laughs> Give me the dirt, Sarah. Dirt <laughs> That's what we're all here for, the gossip. I have no gossip for, about women for try. Nothing. <laughs> I have nothing to contribute okay, to I'll- this other than bullying you. <laughs> Okay, I'll give you one more little piece of gossip is that like, I know that that I okay, I don't want to like break my own moral code. But a lot of shit happened in that time frame between sort of like 2015, when we first tried to get equal slots for the pro women and the the next couple of years. Um, And I I have myself been bullied. Um, and I've heard my friends who sort of stood up for that be called names by um, Iron Man executives. I I just like it, sometimes like with things like that, it it gets ugly, you know. Um, and I just don't want to see that kind of thing happen here again. Like I would like to see real change, and that takes resources, and also it takes that level of introspection and like introspection as a company introspection um, and, and from this statement i mean it's an accountability yes it's it's easy mm-hmm. to have a committee that you ignore it's a lot harder to just to acknowledge that you have done something wrong and want to fix it <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm not it's just i'm not convinced that the current leadership is committed to the kind of change necessary especially because if you're if if you take this long to make a statement at a time when statement really is needed um then and you're doing it admittedly in your own statement because you were badgered to do so i i have a lot of questions i mean i just feel like the bare minimum was to say hey listen guys and ladies uh we get it we have not done enough we need to look at our corporation, how we operate, our own hiring practices, uh, how we want to move forward and in becoming a more inclusive, more diverse sport. We don't know how we're going to do this. We realize this is a massive change 
and that we have a lot of work to do within the upcoming weeks, we are going to tell you what our strategy is. Like, you don't have to give bullet point strategy right off the bat. You just have to, have to acknowledge in a timely fashion, and unfortunately, a timely fashion with something like this was within the first couple of days. It wasn't... Mm-hmm. What day did Messick post that? I think it might have been yeah, Friday. Yeah, that was too late. That was too late. I'm not... Yeah, I I could check. And it needs to be, to be sure, all sure across whatever. the channels. It needs to be every single one like... We we get it. There is a problem. We're part of the problem. We want to be part of the solution. Yeah, and and to be clear, like even at live, like even at live feisty, we were we we look at ourselves and we're like mostly white women, you know, um, and we give ourselves a buy because we're mostly a white sport, um, and therefore we're participating in, um, like we're participating in the problem. Right. So that's a moment for for us to also go, Okay, now we need to be better and we know we need to be better. And all along we've known and um, it's hard. It's hard to run a startup and um, be worried about all the things at all the time at all the times. But um, we need to. So that's what has to happen. Um, Yeah. I don't have anything else to add. You do and you don't. I think I think we can. I'm sure I'm sure we could talk about this for another half hour at least. But let's yeah. just, you know, let's maybe end on a more positive note. I think so. I think so. One thing I do want to throw out there before we end this conversation is um is that we want to hear from you folks. So I know that um it's not you know that I haven't covered this whole everything there is to be said about this topic in relation to Ironman or the sport of triathlon in general. And neither has Sarah. So um, if you have something to say, please send us a voicemail. We definitely want your voicemail. Um, And after the break, we're going to make a little switch to um, something happier and a little advice from one of our listeners. We grossly, as in, in a big way, and truly want to thank our sponsor, Noon Hydration, for supporting If We Were Riding. If you love us, or even kind of like us, or maybe just like our content, you can make sure we grow through our Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash live feisty. And also make sure you talk to us on Instagram at If We Were Riding. We love talking to people on Instagram, especially on the stories. If you want to send us a voicemail, record a voice memo on your phone and send it to Sarah at livefeisty.com. That's Sarah with no H, me, at livefeisty.com. And remember, the I comes after the E if you're feisty. We also love reviews on iTunes and written messages from you joining the conversation. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production hosted by Sarah True and me, Sarah Gross. Our editor and producer is Taylor Mahan. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time. Like the last time, you better get ready to race it. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Good morning, Sarah and Sarah. This is Brenda. And um, I just listened to the latest podcast. And I always have thoughts about the questions and topics, but there was one that stood out um, for me, the, uh, the response to Kelly's mother's uh, voice message or the question that she posed about how do you stay motivated just for health 
And Sarah's answer, um, talking about her parents serving as role models and how they had always been active. You know, I wanted to tell a story about my 87-year-old father. My dad, God bless him, 87 years old, and he goes to the gym um, every day. He's, He's active every single day. And he lives in a retirement community in Palm Springs, California, and of course, just like the rest of us, he is facing the fact that the gym is locked down. And they're really careful about also not walking outside a lot right now because of the pandemic. And so my mother just purchased my 87-year-old father an $800 stationary bike that they have placed outside in the backyard, I think, for my dad to be able to continue with his exercise on a daily basis. At 87 years old, it's like he's such an inspiration, I think, to anybody and everybody that he, you know, he has his bike now and he'll be able to sit out in the backyard and ride a stationary bike and get his daily exercise in. God bless him, and I hope when I'm 87, I'm still doing the same thing. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Sarah, I loved that voicemail. It made me really happy. It was great. Yes. Me too. Kelly's mom, if you're listening, there you go. Actually, (laughs) can we just maybe get like a, a poster of that guy on his bike? And, you know, maybe give it to Kelly's mom. She can, like, put it up on her wall. She's like, oh, yes. He's in his 80s. He's crushing it. That's going to be me in X number of years. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. But thank you for for sending that in. I think uh, we need to be reminded of things like that sometimes. Yeah, I agree. Um, Can I do the sign-off today? Please do. Okay, because I have one. Go for it. I have one. So I forget what your line is. Thank you for listening. I don't remember what the pre-line is. There's no line. There's no line, but uh, we will talk to you next week. And in the meantime, stay humble. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.